Poison Pals. Welcome back to That Shit is Poison, hosted by myself, Megan Gesner. And myself, Harini Bot. We're so excited to have you back with us today. This is what happens when Harini gives me the reins for the opening. I recognized I was getting older the moment I vehemently decided not to use TikTok. (laughs) Oh, me too. Me too. And it's funny because I think we've made fun of TikTok at least three times while doing the making of this podcast. It's likely. (laughs) Now, hear hear us out, though. We absolutely love watching TikTok videos. You put that shit on Instagram or all about it Mm -hmm. keep it coming but we ourselves just don't have the capacity to entertain another social media platform so but you know what never say never because i guarantee you now (laughs) the next video we come out with is going to be a tiktok of us doing something (laughs) i know we will be eating our words anyways anyways megan I wanted to cut straight to the Love chase. Love it. Let's do it. What does that mean? Because we ain't got time. <laughs> we ain't got time for this. Okay. Megan and I had a really rough mm. week. So we did. We're not going to dilly-dally uh-uh. today. We want to get right into the fun, to the juiciness. But I have one question right. for you, Megan. One thing that's always rings true for security yeah. questions, you know, like when you're like doing whatever, like you're signing up for a new yeah. internet service and they ask you, what's sure. your security question? And those security questions they ask you are always things that you will always remember and never forget. And they're usually Correct. from your childhood. One thing that they don't ask, but they should ask is what is the name of your first dentist? Oh. Me and what was the name of your first dentist? Because I remember mine. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't remember, which is so shitty because I really liked my dentist. I can see mm. her face in my mind. She even asked my mom for my mom's mango salsa recipe ones. We oh loved her. I need mom's mango salsa <laughs> recipe. But I cannot for the life of me remember her name off the top of my head. So yeah. Okay. Actually, you're doing one mm. better because you actually remember what she looks like. I only remember this guy's <laughs> name. His name was Dr. B or is. I think I'm sure uh-huh. he's still alive, hopefully. Yeah. And I just think that's so funny because as kids, we never say the full person's name. All our teachers up until that point was like Mrs. S or Mrs. A. You know, like we always just say by their first letter, which is so cute. And I love that. That is a very child thing to do, uh, right? I know. We said we weren't going to dilly-dally, but I always think about like, at what point in my life did I just start calling adults by their first name? You know? And part of me is like, if I ever have children or there are children in my family that will always, because you know, you always call your person like auntie this. Well, I will always call my auntie's mm-hmm. auntie. Like, that's fine. If yeah. I was a teacher, would I be like, hey, kiddo, you can just call me <laughs> Megan. <laughs> like, you could just just call me <laughs> Megan. Like, yeah. Bye. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel I about either. that. Like, I've like... never been put in a position to make that decision. I'm. Yeah. I feel like both my names are too hard to say for kids, so I would have to be like Mrs. B because that's what they call my. You guys, my mom is a special ed mm. teacher, and she has been for many, many yeah. a year now. And her kids call her Mrs. B. Megan and I, when we get together, look, we can't stop talking, as you can tell. But anyways, I wanted to say one thing from last week's episode, or sorry, my last, my my last episode. I said you should watch Wisting, but then I went to go try to watch it on my TV, like my living room mm-hmm. TV that doesn't have all the apps on it, and I realized that I can't watch on Amazon Prime because you have to pay for Acorn TV. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. But you have Acorn. That's why you were able to watch it, right? Yes, okay. I. I have Acorn TV because I subscribe to British TV channels, but I recognize that the average viewer does not. So I apologize in advance, people, if you guys were trying to watch it, like, what the hell? I can't watch this shit. But I I do feel like if you like those types of shows, Acorn TV is worth the budget. Yeah, I'll definitely look into it because I really like I legit just re-listened to that episode and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, Wisting 
and Harini's joke on whisting time. And I'm like, I really need to check this out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually very, very good. I okay. just finished it today. You know, a TV show is really good when before it's even over on episode five of mm -hmm. 10, you look up on Google, whisting season two, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you're like, damn it, when it is, it's not ready to come out yet. Yeah, that's that is a that's a marker of a true show. Yeah. Anyways, that is all I had to say. Megan, do you have anything else to add or should we Nothing get else right into it? We're getting we're getting into it. Here we go. All right. Rini, are you ready to pick your poison? Cue the Rocky theme music. Yes, I am, girl. And before we get into it, you guys, it is now time for you to pick your poison, whatever that may be, your potion, your brew, your little bit of stew. <laughs> Your herb stew. <laughs> yes, guys, sit down and relax. This is your time to unwind whatever you're doing, whether it's your long commute, your laundry, or you just like to listen to us purely out of the goodness of your heart. But I am drinking tonight, not an alcoholic beverage, but truly, this is a fun fact about me, if you guys care. But my favorite mm. beverage is Coca-Cola. <laughs> it is my guilty pleasure. Aww. So I'm drinking some Coke Zero because, you know, trying nice. to be healthy, quote unquote. It's not healthy. It's still Coke. <laughs> I did not know that about Wait, you. Really? Wow. I'm learning something. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that you liked Coke. Oh, my God. I, huh. You did know that because I always request maybe Coke whenever we go have like our sinful dinners together. Oh, Maybe. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. Hmm. I think you just think, now like, I know. Don't don't you like Coke or no? I I don't. I we yeah we should. <laughs> I'm like we're gonna dilly dally, but I don't like Coke. I admit that there was a short stint a couple months back where I was like into diet Coke because my roommate was into it and it like really satisfied that like carbonation feeling. But since she has moved. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't seek out diet coke. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Like, what's I, your go-to soda then? If I'm gonna drink a soda, we're gonna go Dr Pepper. And if Dr Pepper is not available, okay. it's gonna be some sort of like cherry vanilla. I just like the sweet. Yeah, wow. some sort of cherry vanilla flavor. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. We don't we don't judge here. <laughs> All flavors are good flavors. But I do know Megan likes the carbonated drinks. Yeah. Now. yeah you know, like the yeah. subtle flavors, yeah. like LaCroix type. Of thing. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways. OK. So the reason why I asked you about your mm. dentist name is because today's story has something to do Ooh. with your teeth. And also on that note, this story, actually, I have to give mad credits to not my friend, although I do hope in the huh. future we do meet at one point, but Megan's really longtime childhood oh. friend, Ben. What? I, Megan, don't give it away if you know what it is. But Ben has been listening to our podcast since the beginning, I think. Yes. And he sent a little bit of listener feedback after one of our episodes. And I looked into it a little bit more and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting moment in time that I don't think a lot of people know, know about. So I am going to be doing the story of the Matchstick Girls. Ooh, okay. I am so excited about everything. One, Ben, we love you. We should definitely have Ben mm -hmm. on at some point. Ben would be such a great host at mm -hmm. some point. Or I agree. Host. So we'll talk about that later, Ben. And then two, <laughs> two, when you mentioned teeth, I actually think about my sister, Manira. Manira, who is uh -huh. most likely listening. Manira is obsessed. better be with Manira. <laughs> she is obsessed with clean teeth and white smiling teeth Ooh, okay. to a point where I actually think it's like part of her character. You know how some oh. people are like, oh, yeah, like who wouldn't like a white smile? But Manira, she's yeah. all about good dental Love hygiene. It. So hopefully this is something oh, that'll like okay. satiate her palate today or horrify her completely oh. if it comes to. I think horrify <laughs> is the more correct all right. term. Okay, so I'm going to do things a little bit, not differently, but 
I'm going to start out with a quote. So here we go. So this is coming from a doctor named James Rushmore. And this is his entry about a patient that he had at the Royal College of Surgeons England in the late 1800s. So we'll have you back. I've been on a, what is it called? Period drama uh, kick, like Victorian period drama kick. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go ahead. This is a trigger warning. If you guys are queasy or squeamish, Mm. please skip ahead. I'd say a minute. (laughs) This is kind of a a decent excerpt. Okay, getting into it. Quote. Camelia S., born in Germany, age 16, was admitted to Bellevue Hospital on December 17, 1855, with a toothache. A spontaneous opening formed on the underside of her jaw with a discharge of pus. I proceeded to remove a portion of the necrosed jaw. Necrosed meaning decaying. No anesthetic was used. Mm. A chainsaw was then passed under the jaw into the mouth. Mm. The saw was again passed under the jaw for the purpose of dividing the bone at the point. But unfortunately, on attempting to work it, the chain broke. Mm. A new saw was obtained. In quote. This is not me talking, right. I'm assuming. Okay. <laughs> they didn't say that they got a new saw. It just goes straight to a okay. new saw. So I'm assuming they grabbed another mm-hmm. one. But unexpectedly... The moment the bone divided, the chin escaped from its attachments into the hand of the assistant and the tongue was immediately swallowed. Mm. Respiration instantly ceased and suffocation impending, but with a pair of strong forceps, the tongue was seized and replaced. Okay. End quote. End scene. Okay. So this was (laughs) all because of an abscess that was opening underneath her jaw. Yes. That was due to the poison in question that I will reveal in short moments. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts okay. on that, dude? I I pictured the whole thing graphically oh, in my what? head, especially the forceps oh moment, God. just like going down her throat, pulling that. I shit just out. like don't believe that she had no <laughs> anesthetics. I don't. I don't believe mm. that for a second. But anyways, that was extremely yeah. nasty, but necessary because today's story mm. is about the matchstick girls who got Fossy Jaw. Ooh. Does this ring any bells to you? No. But I, I've heard that. <laughs> I have heard the words Fossy Jaw, but I'm too okay. uneducated in this matter to know what that means. I have an idea, though. The most, the most hilarious part about all of this is that clearly I don't know mm. Ben. This is yeah. Megan's friend, right? So the only way I'd be privy to this information is if Megan told <laughs> me. And Megan did tell me this. Ben texted her this and specifically said, oh, Fossy Jaw is a when good did story, I this? too. Oh my God. So, I am going insane. Okay. This is a while ago. This is a while ago. I will say it was a while ago. I wonder, you know, it probably was triggered by the Radium Girls. That's probably when he messaged me about the jaw. At, yeah. You are correct. Okay. Mundo. All right. Apologies to, apologies to you and Ben. This oh. clearly has been a long time coming. So now it's my memory is coming back to me. I I'm remembering. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's mm-hmm. get into the story. So this story mm-hmm. takes place in the late 19th century. So like 1880s when matchsticks were used to light your way and just illuminate your life very similar to like the radium girls so matches at this time were made by using sticks from poplar is it poplar or poplar it's the pine tree i've i've heard it said both ways i tend to say poplar Poplar, okay. <laughs> I'm down for yeah. poplar. Okay. Mm-hmm. By using sticks from poplar or Canadian pine, I would make mm-hmm. one piece of the tree would make 4,000 matches. So mm. good job there. Both ends of the stick were dipped in sulfur and then into a mixture of white phosphorus, potassium chlorate, 
antimony sulfide and powdered glass and coloring. Mm. The amount of white phosphorus in a match would depending on, you know, the company or the factory. But in the UK, it was about six to seven percent, as mm. high as 10 percent. Really experienced workers could finish about 1400 frames of matches in a 10 hour shift with about 4000 matches in one frame. So that would be about 10 wow. million matches in a workday. So they're really like churning out these matches because, I mean, just think about it. Yeah. That was literally light. You know, yeah. if you don't have a match, you cannot see. That is mm-hmm. that is how you navigate the world, essentially, <laughs> before radium watches came into being. And this industry tended to be dominated by females, not by choice per se, but more because it wasn't the work that the men wanted to do. So it got kind of tossed to the ladies, let's just say. The sulfur, also called brimstone, is what caused the match to light and is why matches were called Mm -hmm. lucifers back in the day. And also kind of gave that like smell to it as well, which is also coming from the phosphorus, I'd say. But in the 1840s, something called red phosphorus was discovered. So before people or predominantly white phosphorus was mm. used, but then red fro- phosphorus became into being, which is a lot more stable when exposed to air, meaning the flame would hold mm. better and for a longer period of time. And this was also what caused a characteristic red tip of a matchstick that we know of even today. So that, that's what we, it's in the matchsticks today. Red phosphorus? I believe so. I believe so. Because okay. I think that's also what makes it like red. Okay. Uh, the tip red. Uh, and okay. it's also safer for health reasons because white phosphorus is actually what causes the fossy jaw. And so that's why there was such a push to use the red phosphorus. Yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely go into more detail about that later, but just, just for an overview okay. for now. So in 1897, there were more than 4,000 people working in about 25 matchmaking factories all over Britain. Half were adults, meaning like female adults, and the remainder were children age 14 to 18. Of the 25 factories, though, 23 still used white phosphorus techniques, which were mostly, again, handled Mm -hmm. by women. So like I said, there's many different matchstick making factories in this time, but the I want to focus in on one particular factory called Bryant and May. So yeah, mm. that was the whole background on the match industry and the process behind making the matches. So now I want to talk about the specific matchmaking factory called Bryant mm-hmm. and May. So Bryant and May was a matchmaking company formed by two Quakers, mm. actually, of all things, in London. In the 1880s, I'm just going to call them B&M okay. from here on out. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. just for ease. So Bryant and May equals B&M. So B&M employed almost 5,000 people. Most of them, again, were female and Irish or of Irish descent. The matches were made through domestic outsourced work under a sweating system, which is something I had to look up. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it means it, it's something companies would do, which is essentially labor uh, exploitation. Okay. The company would provide the workers the materials and the workers would make the matches out of their own homes or in tiny factories and would be, would be paid per item that they made. Yeah. So the company was allowed to do this mm-hmm. because the workers weren't covered on the, under the Factory Acts of 1833. So in, in mm-hmm. just to interject here, interject myself but just thinking about the age that we're in we're in the like the heart of the industrial revolution in england right so obviously the industrial revolution and the boom of all these factories etc etc and in production there Mm -hmm. was no set laws for employee rights essentially and protection of workers that all kind of happened towards the end of the industrial revolution i would say so honestly it was whatever says goes at this point so so that's kind of like the theme of this this episode these acts were passed to improve conditions for children specifically or 
working in factories because young children worked for mm-hmm. very long hours in these workplaces yeah. where the conditions were absolute shit. Like think Oliver Twist to the max. Technically, as part of the sweating system, the employer is supposed to provide materials, but at B&M, the workers had to provide their own glue and string from their own pay, which is just nuts. Not so. So they're taking the money they're making from making these matches mm-hmm. and then buying the supplies to get the money. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Correct. They're literally like spinning, spinning their wheels to no avail. Exactly. And that is exactly right. Because essentially what I'm going to talk about next. Mm-hmm. So you are paid at different rates depending on your job within the matchmaking process. Like there's obviously like different parts of the process. So depending on what process you are in, you get paid at different mm-hmm. levels. And so for a typical 10 hour day, a person that is a frame filler, meaning they literally just fill a huge box with these mm-hmm. matches to go dry in an oven. They get one shilling per 100 mm-hmm. frames, one shilling for 100 frames. And that's about $26 in today's money. In today's money. That's that's still not a lot. lot. And again, how many is in the tray? 4,000. Yeah. You're getting paid $26 a day producing 4,000 matches. Is that what I'm understanding? Producing. No, no, no. You're producing. Oh, let me do the damn math. You just said it, but it totally went through my brain. You you listed the amount of trays and I'm like, okay, how many matches is that? 100 trays with 4,000 matches in each tray equals. So you're making a shit ton of matches. (laughs) 400,000 matches. Yes. And the thing is, and I guess what's the kind of fucked up part now that I'm realizing it? is they're not in charge of making the matches. So they don't really yeah. have any like sway over, you know, how many frames they can make because that's they're yeah. not the living factor there. It's like the people on the factory line that's actually right. producing the matches, right? So right. they can only fill how many is made in a day. So mm. they essentially don't know how much money they're going to take home that day because it's all dependent on a different part of the process, if that makes right. sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, so wow. it's a little bit up in the air. Anyways, so I actually thought what you were going to ask is the whole money system because the British have a totally different money system that I'm still not aware of. So Mm. I was like, time to get to the bottom of this. So 20 Mm -hmm. shillings in one pound and 12 pennies in one shilling. Okay. So the reason why I I say that is because some people, depending, I won't get into all the details, but some Mm -hmm. people were paid in shillings. The max that I'm seeing of people getting paid is four shillings in a week. And then mm, okay. some people were just paid pennies. Gotcha. So it's a pretty significant amazing. difference. Yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. It's 12 like, pennies per shilling. Yeah. Some people were mm-hmm. paid pennies depending like on what it is. Mm-hmm. For three boxes, is like six pennies. Mm-hmm. So if they produce more than that, then obviously they can probably make shillings. Mm. But, you know, like it's just kind of all up in the air. I gotcha. So in the midst of all of this was the whole Fosse Jaw situation. Like this was all going on in the background. If a Mm. worker complained of having a toothache, they were told to have their teeth removed immediately or be sacked. So B&M were, sorry to interrupt, B&M were Quakers. And I just feel like I don't, I guess I don't know a lot about Quakers. My impression was that Quakers are kind, but that totally might not be the case. I know. I, I'm like, these are like the Wall Street wolves of Quakers. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't I know. know. So I'm like, time. maybe there is a distinct difference between Quakers in England and Quakers in the United States America. at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Quakers in the United States are like the hippy dippies of the Quakers, I guess. You know, that, okay, here's here's just me speaking. This is why we do a podcast, because so I can just speak my mind to you and whatever, exactly. right? That is my impression of Quakers, too. Like, I was like, they're the hippy dippies of the whole religious movement. That's why they came over here. That's why they were prosecuted. And then they're the people that were, like, known for love or something. Again, pulling from very faint memories that I have of my of Quaker education in high school, right? Because they talk about Quakerism mm-hmm. in high school and about like the United Quakerism. States, the United States forming, right? Um, yeah. This is a moment where I'm like, I really need to look this up, like with who I am today and what I want to learn today, because that's the education we got back then. As we know now, our education mm-hmm. back then is highly censored in terms of what really goes on in history. So all I'm trying to say is we it's have true. the impression that they're the hippy dippies, but they might be violent. <laughs> like like that could be something that I don't know. Oh my so, gosh, I know. Yeah. Well that's why nowadays from now onwards, I'm gonna look at that guy on my quicker oats box a lot. <laughs> gonna think of think of bossy jaw while you eat your oatmeal. <laughs> Hey, hold on to your jaws, kids, because that guy's coming for you. I do want to say things responsibly and as mindful as possible. Yeah. Sometimes I second guess myself too much. Yeah. I'm just here like, hey, tweet us. If you know history about Quakers and saying some nonsensical shit that's totally inaccurate, please, please mm-hmm. tell us because it's our opportunity to learn. Anyway, that's all I yeah. have to say. Yeah, 100%. And let me tell you, Megan and I love, yeah, I agree. PSA yeah. is out there, mm-hmm. but Megan and I love learning, so <laughs> we're not going to be offended. Just tell us what's the real real and we will understand that from now on but these quakers are shitty these particularly b and m are shit quakers b and m b and m stands for bowel movement because they are shit <laughs> so the women that worked in these factories including at b and m lived in abject poverty they're just like living in mm. filthy housing unfit for habitation like think like the literally like the poor houses that you read about mm. in charles dickens and and etc during that time and were forced to work long hours breathing in this toxic mm. white phosphorus day in and day out but again this was the industrial revolution and the proper government worker protection rights were not yet in place however times were a changing and these women were about to light a fire under their factor factory employees ask literally (laughs) no not literally but you know a a well-known socialist at the time named annie besant i think Hmm. it's b-e-s-a-n-t okay wrote an expose on the working conditions at m&b titled white slavery in london Mm. that put the factory workers in an uproar so here is what annie was able to find out and this is kind of what she wrote i'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. but this is really good information that i read from an article Mm -hmm. at the time I forgot to list my sources, but I will put it in there (laughs) afterwards. These girls begin work at 6.30 a.m. and finish at 6 p.m. with half an hour breaks for lunch, which is that's what I get now, but (laughs) half an hour breaks for lunch and dinner. But they're standing up the entire time. That's 12 hours. That's a long, long day. They get paid four shillings a week, roughly. Out of those earnings, two shillings is paid Mm. to rent the room that they're working out of. These are children, like Mm -hmm. literally children. Most of them are children. They on just bread and butter and tea for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But these children relate to, and I'm talking as her, they relate to me with dancing eyes that one time she got coffee, bread, butter, and jam. And that appeared to be the solitary bit of color in her life. I know. That makes me so sad. This Mm. is really difficult because this is child exploitation and they just don't 
know any better. You know, they don't, I'm sure not all children are the same, but yeah. clearly this ch- child was so grateful and didn't know that they could expect to have more than what they are already receiving in their life yeah. so far. There's something that I heard a while back. I think it was in college, but it was commentary on how in the history of humans, children were not seen as children for a long time children aren't seen as how we see them today you know what i mean even an example is when you look at renaissance paintings how there are babies that look like little people essentially like just like just like yes old old men yeah like they have like old man heads but then like baby bodies that's because like (laughs) the back then children weren't seen as infantile they were seen as little people And I think that's why labor laws took so long to come into effect, too. Anyway, those are my thoughts there. But yeah, it's really, really sad. I agree. Super, super sad. So yeah, so that was just a a sad Mm -hmm. anecdote. And they were fined for all sorts Mm -hmm. of items. Because like what Megan caught on to earlier, uh, they would say like four Mm -hmm. shillings a week, but then they would get deducted on fines almost every single day guaranteed mm. that essentially negated their their earnings. So, for example, some of the items that they would get deducted on is if their feet were mm. dirty, if their bench was untidy, for putting burnt matches that caught fire on the mm. workbench. A girl was once fined two shillings for being, quote unquote, unhappy. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? If that were the case, I would be fined almost on a daily basis. <laughs> I know. What? That's absurd. That is absurd. And I hate knowing that that happened. Like, I hate knowing that that was like what life was like before child labor laws. I know. I know. I know. It's it's just terrible. And if a girl is late, then she is shut out for half the day and loses five pennies from her earnings. On top of that, she is fined eight pennies for being late. So a grand total of earnings of negative three pennies that she was earning for the day. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's just like horrific. And they would receive the occasional blow from the shop floor observer, like literally like be hit, who is free to knock these ladies about when he's quote unquote mad. Dude. <laughs> yeah. It's just abysmal. Yeah. And honestly, so not all the ladies were working in person. Some of them were working from home. Yeah. You know, work from home hits a little bit different in the industrial revolution let me say but especially the ones who are in charge of boxing up the matches that are not done in the factory they have a great work from home schedule if you want to look at it that way but they are also asked to find their own glue and paste Mm -hmm. which is what i was mentioning earlier they have to pay for that shit and it's like so no if you're employed you should give your employees yeah it's the equivalent of teachers today buying resources out of their own pocket for their students it's a little different in terms of absolutely but yeah it's it's that but so my question for you if they weren't working in the factory where they could be fined willy-nilly they're like if you're gonna work from home we're gonna have another way to make sure we don't have to pay you as much and that's by you buying your own glue and shit yeesh correct correct like they're just coming up with stupid things like left and right to just like not eventually have to pay and they were yeah. making good money off of these girls like that was part of the expose is like they were getting Ugh. more than 25 percent return every quarter like crazy amounts of money from this you know just it's filling their own coffers anyway it is yep 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 so this article comes out eventually by annie Bassant, and it absolutely Mm. again infuriates the factory owners so much so that they demand their workers sign a paper that stated that they were happy with their lives and their working conditions if they didn't sign would they be fined even more money (laughs) i know basically basically (laughs) basically but the girls and the ladies refused 
good. And one of the ladies gets fired, I think for an unrelated reason. And this mm. prompted the girls to go on strike on July 2nd, 1888. And approximately 1,400 women and girls refused to work by the end of the first day, which is just, hell mm-hmm. yes, ladies, go mm. clap back at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck the patriarchy, am mm. I right? All right. So management quickly offered to give back employment to the fired worker, but the women then demanded concessions. I'm like, you guys, it's not about the fired worker. If that's if that's what you think it's all about, then you're clearly missing the entire yeah. picture of your whole organization Mm -hmm. here it's just like so horrific anyways so they demand concessions particularly in regards to all those damn fines that they were deducted from their wages on a pretty much daily basis four days later on july 6th the entire factory at that point had stopped work altogether because they had no workers yeah that same day about 100 women from b&m rallied together and went to annie Besant in person to ask her for her help and so she did there was a lot of publicity around the stri- around the strike everyone in london and even beyond london knew about what was going on and started to understand and know bnm's mm. name people in parliament like mps became involved the london trades council became involved and essentially with everyone's help the ladies were able to finalize their terms which stated that fines deductions for the cost of materials and other unfair deductions would be abolished. And then in the future, grievances could be taken straight to management without having in- involved the foreman, who are like the people on the shop floor, who had originally prevented the management from knowing mm. of previous complaints. Also, very importantly, if not most importantly, in some ways, meals were to be taken in a separate room where the food would not be contaminated with phosphorus. These terms mm. were accepted and the strike ended. Mm-hmm. So naps for our ladies back in the 1880s. You're rhyming a lot today. I love it. <laughs> I don't know, what did I even say? About what you said earlier about the stew. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that just now was not snaps the ladies 1880s. I didn't it's even great. realize I rhymed that. So the ladies received their terms in full, but it wasn't until 20 years later, actually, that the white phosphorus matches were deemed illegal in an act passed by the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. And this was because there was really, honestly, I feel like this was kind of the government's bad in some ways because they didn't offer any incentive to use the much safer version of red phosphorus, which I mean, like, yes, I know like, there shouldn't be any monetary incentive to change. Right. The issue is everyone was using white phosphorus. And for you to change an entire market to something different mm-hmm. that is more expensive, actually three times more expensive mm-hmm. to not only make, but also to sell to, you know, recuperate costs, that's that is literally a hard sell. Yeah. There were people that tried to change, including B&M. Well, B&M kind of had to. Salvation Army tried to change as well, and they did for a while, but then eventually they just got outcompeted by the white phosphorus and their businesses suffered. So they had they had to resort to going back to white phosphorus until the House of Commons finally passed this law saying that pretty much everyone has to use red phosphorus. Then it wasn't so much of a problem. It's like this. It's like the equivalent. Here's another analogy. It's like the equivalent of the first electric vehicles in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that. But Mm -hmm. it seems like the phosphorus example the turnaround might have been a little bit quicker between white phosphorus and red phosphorus yeah mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. no but that's a great yeah I was thinking the same thing so honestly we talked a lot about the labor laws which is all very very important but again this is a toxicology mm-hmm. true crime podcast so let's talk about that fossey yeah. jaw so that was a lot of gnarly shit i just spewed but the real head turner and maybe jaw turner thank you mean, the story today i mean jaw dropper oh you know what <laughs> I missed my opportunity. You're right, Megan. The real jaw dropper of the story is all about Fosse Jaw. So 
there was a real distinct reason why these ladies in the government were so against the use of white phosphorus. It was extremely mm-hmm. fucking toxic. And if you caught on in the matchstick girls' terms and conditions, they specifically requested that they carve out a separate room for them to eat so that they were not exposed to the mm. same air as the white phosphorus. They were constantly being exposed to these fumes of the white phosphorus solution. And it was also probably seeping mm. into their food, which they ate, gotcha. and it would give them the phosphorus. So, so they, it wasn't the radium girls where they're taking the paintbrushes and dipping on their tongue, all of that. It's just the fumes coming off of what the matchsticks are dipped into. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's a good okay. distinction. So it, unlike the radium girls where they were literally like eating yeah. the radium... But for the white phosphorus, they were not consuming any of it, but it's Mm. very volatile. So the fumes were just constantly everywhere in the air around them. And these are like probably not the best ventilated factories, et cetera, et cetera. So they were just inhaling it Mm -hmm. all day Mm -hmm. for like 12 hours a day, every day, you know? So these ladies would have buckets of white phosphorus solution. And as part of their job would be asked to dip the poplar sticks into the phosphorus and lay them out to dry, which would then dry to be part of the match, which you strike to get a flame. So what is mm-hmm. Fossy Jaw, you might ask? Let's do a brief mm-hmm. physio lesson first on your bones. The way that your bones grow and also age is by constantly remodeling themselves, meaning that they break themselves down to build themselves up. Are you going to drop another Michelle Obama quote on Gotta us? love that. <laughs> Damn, I didn't come prepared for that one, but, you know, it builds character. <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. Okay. It's the same thing that builds character that builds bones. And they do that via two different types of cells that live in your bones. Your osteoclasts Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with a C break down your bone tissue while osteoblasts build it up. So the way, because we have to learn this in pharmacy school and Mm -hmm. I'm sure medical school as well. But the way that I remember is osteoblasts Mm -hmm. is like B for build. Like you're you're building that up. And when you have too much osteoclast activity, that's what leads to diseases like osteoporosis mm. and bone density loss, et cetera. Okay, so now the start of the show, our poison of the week is white phosphorus. So when white phosphorus vapor is inhaled, it makes contact with your saliva and the natural chemical processes in your body turns it into an acid and mm-hmm. damages your oral mucosa. So your teeth, your gums, like everything in between, which essentially breaks down your natural body's defenses, mm-hmm. which is mostly like your saliva and also your teeth as well, because your teeth mm-hmm. are almost like an encasing to the rest of your body in some ways. If you think about it and it opens your mouth doors to a whole host of bacteria mm. and toxins directly to your jawbone. So that's one way. That's one way. White phosphorus, as I said, can be naturally changed chemically in your okay. body to something called amino bisphosphonates. Bisphosphonates mm. poison your osteoclasts and causes osteonecrosis, which again is like decay of your bones in a very similar Mm -hmm. way to how radium causes radium jaws. So episode four, terrifyingly toxic glow, the way that it works in terms of, you know, killing your bone is it just like pokes a lot of different pokes, like the Mm -hmm. tiniest different holes in your bone, and it doesn't fortify Mm -hmm. your bone. Instead, it breaks it down. It's constantly remodeling your bone, but there's no building up phase, if that makes sense. It's just breaking it down. So you're bone becomes porous as a result. Correct. 
And actually, I'm glad you said that because if you were to look at these people's jaws under a microscope yeah. or like, you know, not a microscope, right? an x-ray, it would look like a pumice stone. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like the best I'm, way that people would just. I'm going it. to Google search Fossey jaw and I truly do expect some sort of pumice stone looking thing. I'm nervous. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty porous. It's yeah. My question for you is, so I understand the connection to the saliva and how that goes towards the mucus glands and some you know eventually trickles down to the bones and affects the, the bones mm -hmm. is it super super specific to just saliva because like you have mucus membranes in your nasal cavity and so when you're inhaling i'm assuming some of it gets there too so what are the effects on that part of the body does it does it affect that nasal cavity as well in my yeah and and to answer your question, another way of posing mm -hmm. your question is why is it targeting the jaw so right. much? Basically, your oral cavity, yeah. let's say. And the reason why the jaw and the oral cavity in this scenario is affected the most is because the bone around the teeth and jaws has such a high turnover oh. rate in terms of osteoclast and osteoblast than other areas of your body. So it's more sensitive to bisphosphonate How toxicity. interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thought concept behind cancer in general is chemotherapy essentially targets high mm -hmm. cell turnover yeah. in your body. And that's when you have targeted chemotherapy, it's great because it will just target, let's say, your kidneys, but it will only target the cells that have high cell turnover rate. And what is the definition of cancer is mm -hmm. high cell turnover because it's when your cells are growing at a mm -hmm. higher rate than normal. But that is also why when you get chemotherapy, your mm -hmm. hair falls out because that's where you have the highest cell turnover rate. Your hair grows so fast, your mm -hmm. nails grow so fast, right? And that's yeah. why you have hair loss as part of that. It's just like one of those natural side effects because it's, it's just going to affect the areas that have yeah. the highest cell turnover. That does that make sense. sense. Just always get so fascinated. The reason why I'm like, that's so interesting is to me, what's interesting is that like this, as far as I know, now that I'm learning, this one thing like white phosphorus was like made, in my opinion, it's like it's like made to mm -hmm. only affect the jaw, essentially. I, I mean, you haven't told us yet if it ultimately affects other parts of the body, but like I understand I understand what you just said. Like, I understand that it's affecting the jaw so severely yeah. because of how the bones structure in your jaw, the osteoblast and osteoclast work. But like, I just think that's so fascinating in a universal sense. How is it that this one chemical of all things would affect this part, like this one part of your body? And I just think that's really cool. You know, exactly. Yeah. No, it is really mm -hmm. interesting to see how our bodies work. It's cool. So symptoms. So if you were to expose to white phosphorus toxicity, what exactly would happen? So in the beginning, it can feel just like a toothache, like how Camellia in the beginning, that's why mm -hmm. she came in. Initially, she had a toothache. You can also get swollen gums, loose teeth, and an abscess around the infection. Abscess is just accumulated pus tissue. Your teeth will fall out. The bone under the non-healing gum tissue becomes exposed. And then the affected mm -hmm. bones actually glow in the dark. So that's also another aspect of white phosphorus. It has a similar radium type effect in the mm. sense it's not radioactive, but it does cause your gums and teeth to glow if you have phosphorus toxicity, which is interesting. That's so interesting. It has green, yellow glow to it. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if there's pictures of that, but I don't know if there would be. I, I didn't see anything just now on Google image search, but I'll look into that. I do think if you search like white phosphorus or in the dark, it will show you just like the glow, but probably not mm. on a human, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, the decaying tissue rots away, causing a foul odor. Dead bone starts to separate from living bone. Your gums start to swell and form abscesses, which cause severe disfigurement of the face, like you were stung by the world's largest bee. Oh, yeah. 
And it's incredibly, incredibly mm. painful. So as far as antidotes and treatment, there's really mm. not much. You would do, you have to do amputation, honestly, kind of like what I was talking about in the beginning with the quote, they had to basically remove. And th this was essentially what happened to most of these women or people who were affected by Fossey jaw. You essentially have to remove part of their jaw, if not all mm. of their jaw, unfortunately, and try to replace it with something else or not replace it at all. I don't know what they did, honestly. They also had to do debridement, which essentially means, I hate using this word, mm. scraping away yeah. the dead tissue and doing a wash out of any like pus or just like, mm -hmm. you know, cleaning it, cleaning the area and then heavy dose of antibiotics to just make yeah. sure that nothing else happens. But yeah, needless to say, white phosphorus is no longer used except for, I guess, mm. like artillery warfare mm. now that we know or things like that. No longer used for matchsticks. And that that is that. That is the story of the matchstick Damn. girls and Fossey Jaw. I okay. The the one thing that is so fresh in my brain that I ultimately have left this story with is that I am honestly disappointed in all the TV dramas that I watch that depict late 1800s England, late 1800s, blah, 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 wherever. And I'm like, they need to show more people with some fossy jaw. They need to show more people with like all these ailments that yeah. definitely impacted like the common person, essentially. I literally just mm -hmm. binge watched all three seasons of Penny Dreadful. It's gothic. It's it's very okay. if you like the macabre, it's fun. And yeah, it was good. Like three seasons is super manageable. So you could easily get through it. It takes place yeah. in the 1890s. So, you know, a little bit after the Fossey Jaw stuff. But I mean, like people that would have had Fossey Jaw would have mm -hmm. been alive then. You know what I mean? Like just a little older. Oh, yeah. So I'm just saying, oh. uh, you know, hey, Hollywood, next time you do a, a little period piece drama, let's see those real ailments. Like they're they're very good about showing the muck and the under the underground um, and like the the scourge and all the like true. poor living conditions. But I'm like, I ain't seeing nobody with no jaws. <laughs> It's like the makeup department's like that's that's out of it's, our budget. You know, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. No, but I agree. I I would like to see. I'm sure there's actually when I was on the Wikipedia page, and let me actually go to my sources. Okay, okay, okay. Go, go. Clearly, one of my sources was Wikipedia, but when I was on the Wikipedia page, they they always uh, like a popular culture section. So there hmm. there are areas where they talked about Fossey Jaw in media. So I use Wikipedia. I use a article from Clinical Toxicology or a publication from the Clinical Toxicology titled Osteonecrosis of the Jaw and Bisphosphonates, a Comparison with White Phosphorus, Radium, and hmm. Osteopetrosis, which I actually don't know what that is. I read the original article by Annie Besant mm -hmm. titled, again, White Slavery in London that was issued on June 23rd of 1888, a article from The Conversation that's titled Meet the Matchstick Women, The Hidden mm -hmm. Victims of the Industrial Revolution, authored by Catherine Best. And then from the Royal College of Surgeons London, Fossey Jaw and the Match Girls, a 19th Century Industrial Disease by Susan Isaac, which is actually, mm -hmm. funnily enough, the same place where I got the uh, original article from the quote I read in the beginning. Yeah. That's where the doctor worked. How funny. Huh. There Anyways, we go. full circle. <laughs> yeah. And that is that. Yeah. That is my story. I loved it. I mean, you can always tell when I like it when I'm asking a lot of questions. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Pretty horrifying, to mm -hmm. be honest. Really well, from sad. a matchstick, which is kind of similar mm -hmm. to what we were talking about in Radium Girls. Like, yeah. oh, what is that one thing that we thought was all the rage, but actually was killing us? So I know. Match I know. Add matchsticks to the list of that. Yikes. 
So thank you, Ben, for that little tidbit and story. Yeah, super appreciate the recommendation. It was a great mm-hmm. learning experience for both of us, and I hope all our listeners too. I'm yes. sure we'll come across many other, honest, any sort of industrial revolution or technological <laughs> revolution that mm-hmm. might have some hidden sordidness, essentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shall we? Shall we wrap this up? Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. To our antidote. Let's do it. So it's my turn today. So as Harini had mentioned, we've actually both had pretty hard weeks. So it is a little hard for me to pull like a good antidote. But I think I'll say my antidote is I even told Drew and my sister uh-huh. about this. But because oh. I was having a hard day, I decided to take a little drive. I really love driving my car. I just like to drive. I know some people really don't like driving and that's totally fair. But like for me, it is an escape. I don't mind spending that gas money, even though I'm going nowhere. Like, I will just take a drive. So I took a drive, and I actually live very close to a, like, military cemetery out Mm. on Point Loma in San Diego. I took a drive out there. It's all public. Like, you can Mm. can drive and you can walk in the cemetery. I Probably very similar to how the cemeteries are in San Francisco. Yeah. So I just parked out there because this particular cemetery, I think it's a naval cemetery. It's so beautiful. I know the cemetery, but, you know, imagine like very pristine lines of white headstones on the greenest of grass with, you know, trees just dotting the cemetery here and there in a way that's very like very clean and just peaceful. (laughs) And it's overlooking the Pacific, essentially, like you're up on this, this huge peninsula and all around you is this blue of the pacific so it's like blue waters and sky clear day and then this beautiful green grass with these white headstones and it's peaceful yeah because no one's really there you don't see a lot of people go out to the cemetery um (laughs) yeah and so i just parked there and it was just this incredible moment of peace and i was texting drew and manira why is it that i find this so peaceful like it it's a sad it's a sad area. Technically, you could argue like cemeteries are sad. Mm-hmm. But I came to the realization mm-hmm. that I think this was good for me to, to come to the cemetery to get away from my frustrations at work. Because when you're at a cemetery, you recognize your mortality. And it's a really yeah. quick way to feel like, hey, all that stuff that was bothering at work, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So that's yeah. my, so that's so my antidote. I went to a cemetery to to cool off and it really did help because I was just yeah. it was just so peaceful. I freaking love I, I'm so yeah. glad you shared that, Megan, because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to express it, but I know yeah. exactly what you mean. For me, I've never mm-hmm. done that before, but now that you say that, there is a cemetery in South San Francisco as you are about to like on the yeah. border of entering the city. It is mm-hmm. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Like I find myself, I know I shouldn't be since I'm driving, but I find myself turning my head and like trying to still look yeah. at it as I'm driving. It is just mm-hmm. like stunning. I can only imagine that if I were to go there and just kind of meander or mm-hmm. even just park like you did. There's something about the cemeteries is like have like this mm-hmm. old soul wisdom where they've already passed. They have this, if you believe in heaven or anything else, whatever, it doesn't matter. I believe like they have this greater mm-hmm. knowledge of life that we are just not aware of. And 
there's just like this calming effect. There's, hey, th- yeah. this is small fish, yeah. small fish to fry. Life goes on. Keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. And forward, I actually yeah. think I know that cemetery you're talking about because I've driven through that that particular area of San Francisco so many times. I think that's why I like this Point Loma one so much because it looks the same mm. as that San Francisco one. It has the same oh, type yeah. of greenery, yeah. has the same type of trees, which you don't see yeah. anywhere else in San Diego. It's mm-hmm. only at the cemetery. So that's true. Maybe there's a little nostalgia yeah. there, too. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Oh, that's a, that's a great you. anecdote. <laughs> Go ahead. Mine is a little more mm, superficial. <laughs> I don't know. I was just going to say, I kind of mentioned it on the podcast maybe once before, but basically Dave and I got court married December 2019 and we had all these grand plans that, you know, the universe mm. laughed at us that we were going to fulfill. And then COVID happened and planning a wedding during COVID was... Mm-hmm really hard. Anyways, we have been trying to find a venue for Mm -hmm. literally almost a year now. It's probably been the most draining process to do that and just constantly Mm. being like let down and things just not being open and booked or whatever. But I'm happy to say that we have finally officially locked down a venue and we have a date in sight for this wedding and it's exactly what we wanted, but here in the States. So I'm very, very happy and grateful for that. So that is my antidote of the Oh my gosh. No, I'm so glad you shared that because like this is news to me and I am so, so, so (laughs) happy for you guys. I know that this has been such a an arduous, grueling process. This is great news. I am, yeah, I am ecstatic. Yay for you guys. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exciting things on the horizon for both of us. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of That Shit Is Poison with us, ladies. If you like this episode, please rate and review. It helps us so much, mm-hmm. and we thank the people who already have done so. Until next time, don't risk it for that jaw-dropping biscuit. Oh, yeah. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye.